0: i quit my job around late november i've been planning to do it for a while like when would be a better time to do something than right now and with like the support of my friends and like my colleagues they were like yeah just quit your job and leave the country and i was like okay yeah sounds easy (laughs) (laughs) so early around early december yeah i left my job at a i thought okay i had the luxury of really digging into the market i won't have the luxury of a salary but i'll have the luxury of time so since december up until february main idea was to create like an online grocery. And actually, by January, after doing all the research and seeing all the online grocers actually closing their doors in Southeast Asia, because of how unsustainable the business model is, I've actually decided I probably would never ever want to open an online grocery in Southeast Asia ever for the rest of my life. So like, how are you going to make money? It's the customers that suffer at the end of the day. So that's really what I wanted to build on and create something that's like direct to consumer, you know, something that's built off of like ready merchandise and like working with existing businesses here to fulfill customers orders so that that was the conclusion
1: hi this is bianca and this is anna your hosts of girl talk mondays podcast where we discuss the world of fashion self-confidence and everything in between in this new series we interview
2: inspiring women making a mark in their fields
1: whether that be business leaders ceos marketeers or entrepreneurs we want to share their success stories with you so welcome to girl talk Mondays. mondays In the first new series episode, we are joined by Jenica Chang, founder of ShopSuki, an e-commerce startup aiming to disrupt the way Filipinos shop online. At only 23, she has already accumulated a vast experience, having worked for fashion retailers before transitioning into the food industry, where she secured a graduate role at Ocado, one of the largest British online supermarkets. Now, she has decided to launch her own e-commerce business back in her home country. So thanks for joining us today, Jenica, all the way from the Philippines. We're really excited to have you. Actually, as a little bit of a background, I met Jenica in university. I kind of knew you always had this big ambition. It's really exciting to actually speak to you about this now, having launched your own thing. Oh my
2: god, thank you. What
1: a compliment. (laughs) So first
2: of all, we just wanted to go in and talk a little bit about your background. So maybe you could tell us a bit about where you grew up and then why you decided to move to London.
0: So... I've kind of grown up a bit of everywhere because I'm from a small city in the Philippines called General Santos down south and I lived here until I was around 10. I had this wonderful idea that why not just move to the US as a 10 year old child live with some random host family for a few years on a farm, (laughs) Might might be fun. I mean, as a 10-year-old, I don't think you're equipped to make these life decisions. But it was a great time. I mean, it was a great family. They were very uh, welcoming. They're almost like my second family. I Aww. lived with some llamas and went to school there. Oh my god,
1: I didn't know this about you.
0: <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, so that's why I have an American accent. Even like after living in the UK longer than I lived in the US. Uh, but eventually like that became quite difficult, like being away from my family. So I moved back to Manila. And I went to a British international school. So I did the GCSEs and the IB and and all that stuff until uni. And I knew I really wanted to do marketing, but there aren't actually a lot of good universities that just focus on marketing. Uh, You had to do like management with marketing or communications or something like that and my first choice was actually to go to nyu and i got waitlisted and then rejected i'm still bitter about it to be honest <laughs> hopefully when i'm 60 i could like let go of that not new york yeah. then london right although i realized like all the schools i applied to in the uk i just went through like the list of like the top universities and i couldn't even like pronounce some of the names properly like i used to say like Leicester university okay well now i know it's like yeah. Leicester, right Lo- bro i used to say like (laughs) laoboro i was like yeah i'm gonna go to marketing at laoboro and then i was like okay if i can't even say like the name of the place like maybe i shouldn't be living there going into fashion is quite a little controversial i guess because you don't really feel the sense of like job security i mean you guys both went to lcf Mm -hmm. so It's a bit like off the beaten track kind of decision, but I'm Mm so happy that I made the choice to go to London and study at LCF because it really opened up a lot of like career opportunities. Hmm. So yeah, that's how I ended up in London.
1: But so you have a wide (laughs) range of background. Actually, you went in fashion first and you worked for loads of different companies and then you moved into e-commerce at Ocado in the food industry. So can you tell us, like talk us through your different career experiences and what each of them have taught you
0: yeah i guess it would be very weird for somebody coming from lcf ending up at a supermarket but uh <laughs> i always wanted to work in the online space i think if i was to rank like interest i'd say like e-commerce first and then fashion second so my first taste was working for this company called zolora in the philippines they're owned by zolando in germany and they've opened up a lot of fashion e-commerce uh sites all over in like emerging countries so philippines is one of them and i was there around the first or second year when they just started in a very small office and I was hooked I was like yes I want to sell things online for the rest of my life so <laughs> that's kind of where all that started and when I moved to London obviously like going through university and then fashion school it was kind of like a double kill on the crappy internships that you mm-hmm. kind of across you know Mm -hmm. so not only are you like underpaid there's also a chance that you get mistreated too but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just being Mm -hmm. a resilient person you just have to go through that like getting paid like 10 pounds per day like working in retail so I hopped around I worked at Aldo in Oxford Street which was absolutely insane Uh, as you can imagine especially like coming up to December it was quite an experience and i worked for a small uh korean designer i guess that had like a concession in top shop uh also off of oxford street so it was really like the hot spot of fashion and commerce in london and i ended up doing a year placement at dune after doing a summer's internship there and that was such an incredible opportunity because i felt like i was really stretched not just uh working on like the creative side of fashion like coming to photo Photo shoots and being involved in that but also I really found my passion for data like mm-hmm. it sounds a bit lame but actually like data is fucking amazing and, <laughs> and I really um, I just became so I'm gonna use the word obsessed a lot but really I was just so obsessed with like web data and kind of understanding how that ties into like the customers and the mm-hmm. experience and really diving into more of the technical side of e-commerce. And during the final year of university, I knew I wanted to get into like an e-commerce grad scheme because I really, again, wanted to have like a more holistic view with regards to my career. I didn't want to like silo myself into like, okay, I did marketing, so I'm just gonna be like a marketing exec. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just knew like I wanted to get a taste of a little bit of everything. Because for me, like the big picture has always been like I wanted to start my own enterprise. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I was like equipped in every skill I could possibly need to dive into that. So I was looking at companies that offer that kind of experience. So I applied everywhere from like M&S to ASOS to uh, Tesco. I was just more passionate about the retail side. And Okado was one of the companies that really intrigued me because it was a retail company, but at the same time, it was so tech focused, you know, having warehouses ran by robots, and it was a company that was growing very quickly. So it definitely like piqued my interest. And having spoken to the Okado folks what, during our assessment day, I got very excited about what the opportunities were at the company and kind of digging into things that I didn't know. I was even interested in like supply chain, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I ended up at Ocado. Like I was just I, I wanted to stretch myself, and I saw that the grad scheme was a great opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, I've seen actually like you moved around at Ocado quite a bit because you did a grad scheme there. So what were the different kind of like departments you worked in? I would say, and what was like the biggest thing you learned from
0: it? So like the first department I was in, or like placement, was customer insights. So at first I thought it was more like sending surveys and like asking customers you know like what they think like more of the uh, qualitative stuff. Turns out um, we had to learn how to code it's just um, it was like being thrown into like a pit of confusion but Mm -hmm. I was so lucky because the people I had on my team were so helpful and very 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 patient with me. It Mm -hmm. took a lot of like I guess like concentration I guess at the same time like knowing that I was stuck in this uh, placement for six months that had no choice but to figure it out i think it really reinforced my love for data because i was already very like enthused about data to begin with and kind of like having the skill set or like the toolbox to really dig into uh, what customers are, how customers behave like what customers really want and like how their behavior through their transactions or how they interact with a website kind of show that so that was my first placement which I would say is by far like my favorite one just because I feel like learning SQL and the thinking that's involved in kind of like problem solving and digging into uh, a task that's been given to you like I feel like those skill sets are things that will translate like throughout anyone's career the next placement I I did was supply chain so I was the demand manager for water and international food very random Perry, <laughs> yeah so i learned a lot about like how many um packs so 24 packs of water would fit into one pallet and how many pallets would fit into one truck and the fact that the truck can't leave a certain warehouse unless it's filled with x number of like water bottles and it was dealing with like a lot of different kinds of suppliers and thinking okay like so this water has to come from scotland and Next month, it's summertime. So there's a good chance that we will run out of water. And if we run out of water, I might lose my job. Because turns out, people who shop online love buying huge packs of water. And also <laughs> while working for Okado, I had the chance to become one of, to join our delivery our delivery team. And actually um, uh, deliver their people's Okado packages to their really? homes. And yeah, I've had the pleasure of going no, up like wow. a four-story terraced house with no lift and carrying oh these gosh. big packs of water. So I <laughs> like,
1: put things All experience into perspective. Counts.
0: No, definitely. <laughs> and like you know you come across some like rude customers and also some like really great customers um i feel like you could get quite disconnected from people when you're working in e-commerce because all you see are people's names on your screen but I feel like as a delivery team, as you know, people working in logistics, you're kind of like the front line of e-commerce. You're like the face that people see when they think of avocado. That was my second rotation, really thinking about like where things come from. Like they don't just show up. And especially when it comes to like international food, like okay there was a time where we almost ran out of bananas because an entire shipment of bananas from South America got held up in the U.S. somewhere because they found a bunch of cocaine on the boat so
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah it's like yeah our bananas come from like Ecuador and actually Ecuador is a long way from the UK yeah so it was definitely like an exciting time to be working at Acado. and so yeah that was my second placement and my third placement was in the commercial projects team this was a very interesting team because it was in the non-food division of Avocado, so they mm-hmm. dealt with, you know, like we sold stationery and like kids like babies carriages socks just like all sorts of random things and commercial projects was almost like a consultancy within okado so you got to work on like different projects and like uh recommend in terms of strategy like where the company can look towards so i was involved in looking at new assortments that okado can expand into so like for example like vitamins and supplements or digging into beauty and like sizing up those markets Little did I know, like how, like valuable that uh, that was, like going into like where I'm eventually at now. So yeah, that was kind of like my year and a half at Cotto. It was actually like a two year grad scheme, but I guess I was just like overly eager to just just do it.
1: Really, I think it's really effective to like do as much as you did rather than specialize right away. Because like that, you can really get like yeah. a wider view. So I listened to this podcast the other day with Blackstone CEO Stephen Schwartzman, and I really resonated with this quote. And it also made me think of you when doing this interview. So you only have one shot to do something, and you should wait until you have the right idea addressing the right opportunity. Because then if you win, you win big, but you can also excite others to go on the journey with you. Entrepreneurs don't take risks, if they are to bet on their life, the vision that they have must pretty much be a sure thing. So I remember back in university, you always had this long-term vision of launching your own project back in your home country, and that was a few years ago now so did you have this specific idea mapped out that long ago or did Shopsuki come earlier than you initially expected
0: that's a really powerful quote I might have to bookmark that for the future and look
2: (laughs) back
1: Yeah.
0: honestly um, I'm pretty sure when I was at uni I was thinking along the lines of like misguided or ASOS really (laughs) looking at like the fashion lens Mm. because I guess when you're in like the fashion world it's very all consuming it's all you think about every single day especially when you're university Mm -hmm. is in the middle of Oxford Street and all you see every day are
2: clothes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely very, very far from um, what I saw myself doing. Mm -hmm. All I knew is that whatever it is that I would decide to do eventually, it would be like an all or nothing for me. And it has to be something that is scalable. Yeah, that quote really does resonate very strongly with me because it's like, you need to be willing to sacrifice everything and have like absolute faith in what you want to do. Even now, like going into what we've done I'm not sure, like if you asked me three weeks ago, if this is like the path I would have chosen, it's kind of like also adapting with the opportunities
2: as they arise. And then also in terms of the market. When you started thinking about, you know, that you were going to go into the Philippines with your own platform, can you tell us a bit more about what the competition there looks like and then also how consumers are shopping there right now?
0: Yeah. So the landscape in terms of like e-commerce has changed so much since I first started working here um, in 2013, like in the e-commerce space, definitely as the country is growing There's more people with access to the internet. There's more people with access to mobile phones. So it's definitely like more optimistic and realistic just to create like an online business at this time. But also there are some challenges that are definitely like unique to the Philippines, such as like connectivity in rural areas. That's a big issue. The fact that we're an island nation, we have like over 7,000 islands. So it's not Mm -hmm. as simple as, you know, like having a fleet of like 10,000 delivery trucks. There's also like air cargo, like shipping to think about when it comes to like logistics and supply chain. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why e-commerce has been slower to take off in the Philippines in comparison to like other Southeast Asian nations because of like the logistics constraints
2: that we have here. How have you started combating that uh, challenge?
0: In our scale right now I feel like that is more towards the future when we think about like the national level Mm -hmm. in fact like some of the e-commerce companies have started their own logistics providers to address this issue because a lot of like the logistics solutions you know they've been around for like 20 30 years it's like our classic postal services right it's like the royal mail in the UK it's been around for a very long time and it hasn't really evolved to adapt to like the current environment so there's a lot of like self-fulfillment happening right now with the big e-commerce players
2: and then also one thing maybe is uh what the point of difference is for shop suki and what you guys are really pinpointing in order to stand out from your competitors
0: so since we started even before the business model was refined so right now what we are are online grocers that deliver like very hyper localized online grocers and this like business model decision was has only been made recently but since we started before we even refined the business model the big thing for us was really like a such a strong customer focus because a lot of the e-commerce players who have been in the market first they've had the advantage of just diving into the market and there haven't really been any standards set like not to sound like pretentious or anything but of course like if you're first in the market you would go for like the low-hanging fruit you would try to get to like the easiest most accessible markets but as the market develops and becomes more mature it becomes more challenging to acquire new customers who have who now have like constraints that the easier customers don't have like for example like reaching out to more rural areas so where we are um where i'm based right now general santo city we're in one of the poorest islands in the entire country, which means that we have like really limited like logistics infrastructures, very poor roads. So to send a package from a city on this island to another city on this island, it's actually like cheaper to pay for air cargo to get to the capital of the country that's two hour- two and a half hours away by plane. Oh so it's like little things like that, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think what makes us different is our strong customer focus. Like if you look at our logo, it's uh it's a chat, it's mm-hmm. a chat yeah, bubble yeah. which actually like represents like listen, us listening to our customers and like mm-hmm. having that open dialogue. Oh, wow, that's
1: great. So let's talk about the biggest issue at the moment, which is COVID-19. So I have another quote. I really like quotes. And this (laughs) one... (laughs) Now
2: you're quoting everything.
1: So this one is by Doug Stevens in an interview with Business of Fashion. And he says, use this time to reinvent how you do what you do. Bring customers new alternatives, new value, and in the process, reinvent your own brand. Don't let innovation stop, because this could be the window of opportunity. So in this case, you've launched actually right at the time of the pandemic, right when it broke. So how has this had an impact on your business so far? Because obviously, when you were planning ahead, I guess you didn't anticipate this would happen. So now, (laughs) how is this impacting you? Is it in a positive way? Are you experiencing a greater wave of opportunity?
0: Okay, that's another great quote. I'm going to have to keep that as well with with this interview. (laughs) That's a pretty heavy question. So just to give you some context of how this all came about, I quit my job around late November I've been planning to do it for a while actually started around September I went to TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco and I was just so inspired by like all the startups and like the speakers that were there I had like a bunch of different business models and like business plans in mind but I didn't really have anything solid but what I thought was okay I'm 23 years old now like when would be a better time to do something than right now and with like the support of my friends and like my colleagues they were like yeah just quit your job and leave the country and i was like okay yeah sounds easy so (laughs) (laughs) so early around early december yeah i left my job at so i thought okay i had the luxury of really digging into the market like i have no i'm lucky that i could live with my parents i could get fed i have a heating i have like hot water like drinking water food and all of that so i was like okay if i go home I won't have the luxury of a salary, but I'll have the luxury of time to think and refine this business model. So since December up until February, I've just been looking at, well, the main idea was to create like an online grocery. And actually by January, after doing all the research and seeing all the online grocers actually closing their doors in Southeast Asia, because of how unsustainable the business model is, I've actually decided I probably would never ever want to open an online grocery in Southeast Asia ever for the rest of my life. Because... If you look at the margin of fashion, it's like 60%. And then you go to grocery, it's like 5%. And then if you look at like the selling price of like, I don't know, like one sachet of coffee, it's like a few pence. So like, how are you going to make money?
1: Wow, I didn't <laughs> so, like, know this. I didn't know the margins yeah. were that low.
0: Yeah, like supermarkets are just so savage. And like the logistics that people don't want their groceries next week. People mm. want it today. Yeah. People want it like two hours from now. Yeah. And they want they want frozen food. They want chilled food. And they want their fresh vegetables. They want their fresh fruits and all the fresh stuff. And they want to make sure that the bread's not expired and it's not crushed on the way there and you don't break any eggs. So all of that is just like, like dollar signs really like that are costs related to each transaction so after doing all the math and like doing all the market sizing i was like okay there's no way like anyone's gonna make money off of this and that idea was dead by january so what we were looking towards was something like john lewis like a more b2c like a proper like an online department store Mm -hmm. because the market right now in southeast asia and the philippines it's a lot of marketplaces so like amazon but business to consumer so yeah so like the market really has been a lot of like cross border. Chinese merchants like selling to Filipinos and what this means is just that because again of the logistics of sending something from china and if you live in a rural place it could take you like 25 days to get a new pillowcase at which in my case after the virus it's been two months now and i still don't have my pillowcase so i actually don't know if that pillowcase will eventually get here so because of the nature of the business models that exist right now it's the customers that suffer at the end of the day so that's really what i wanted to build on and create something that's like direct to consumer Mm -hmm. something that's local you know something that's built off of like ready merchandise and like working with existing businesses here to fulfill customers orders so that that was the conclusion uh having done like all the numbers and working towards like actually like rolling out a business plan then all this coronavirus uh situation has started like escalating at first to be honest like i've kind of just ignored it because i was like okay as cautious as we can be there's no point like living every day in fear. Like I just wanted yeah. to like move on and like continue with what I've been doing every day. I'm sure there's another quote for this but it's like everybody else's problem until it affects you and then yeah. and then it's a big problem, right? Right. And that, yeah. the, that day was uh, on March 13 or March 14 when the government announced that all flights coming in and out of Manila will be cancelled in the next three days. So just to give you again some context of where my life was a few weeks ago. I had, like, a three-day holiday planned just by myself at the beach at this magnificent resort that I paid for myself because I thought I deserved a break. On that list was a two-week trip to South Africa to go on a safari with my family. <laughs> oh,
1: my so gosh. So March was canceled. looking like a really
0: great month for me. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and then March 14, like, the day that ended all days, just saw the news. They're like, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a joke. Like, can't leave the country anymore. And I was like, well, great. My birthday's canceled. My holiday's canceled. Okay. So like what can we actually do with this situation so I just had this like funny idea I was like okay well you know that online supermarket idea we had like a few weeks ago Uh why don't we just like actually give that a try it might not be too bad anymore so <laughs> um, late at night I just texted my family because luckily like my family like runs like a local supermarket here so it just seemed like two worlds just coming together so it's like okay why don't Mm. we just like start an online supermarket like how hard could it be like i bet we could get a website up and running in three days like like, (laughs) if if you think you could do it yeah sure go for it i was like yeah yeah why not so this was me like two weeks ago So I just started like an account on Shopify. And I was like, okay, right. Let's just start a website, make it look pretty, like throw a thousand items in there and like, see what happens. I don't know what I was thinking two weeks ago, (laughs) but I'm glad I had that crazy idea. (laughs) We started from like me and like one other girl um, in operations, just like taking customers orders and actually like picking the orders ourselves and like hopping on the delivery truck and like delivery. So that was two weeks ago. And now we have like over 50 people working in our team in operations.
1: That's insane.
0: Wow. Okay. It's just been like. That's absent. amazing.
1: Can you talk us because through a little bit like your initial <laughs> stage of launching it like two weeks ago only? I can't even believe yeah. that. Oh my God. Yeah. I had thought it was already like a few months, two I weeks. I thought is it was insane. a few months as well.
0: Yeah, just kind of touch, just kind of passed. Basically, the big mindset was okay, this is no longer like an everyday business, right? Like everyday, it's not normal anymore this is war it's just having that mindset that we are being attacked from all sides and we don't we can't even see the enemy that was really like what has been driving this entire thing we run like a retail chain and we've been directly hit i mean everybody has but the fact that everything has escalated like so quickly in such a small amount of time i think that's really what kind of drove this project so seeing like restaurants closing down um stores closing down one by one and people losing their jobs at first it was like a fun idea like huh let's open an online supermarket what a great time to launch to like oh my god like we have to make this work at whatever Mm -hmm. cost possible because this could be the idea that saves people's jobs again like i don't want to kind of like blow my own trumpet or anything. It's it's just the reality of the situation is that people are being displaced. Access to food becomes more and more difficult every day. Given our local situation, with all the quarantines and all the lockdowns, it was just like the snap of my fingers, right? Like one day, uh, all the lights were on in the office, the entire office was full. And the next day, it was like a core team. We don't even like turn the AC on because there's not enough people in the office to justify it until like some days like everyone's working from home, some of our key team members can't even leave their homes anymore the lines going into the supermarket have grown longer and longer and longer. And it's scary. Like the first few days that we were picking orders, we were like elbow to elbow with customers in the supermarket. Like being on the front lines and seeing how this pandemic has kind of unfolded, it has been like, you know, like an opportunity. And at the same time, just the fear every day of thinking like, wow, I live in a home with like vulnerable people, you know, like my grandma, my parents are also aging being exposed every day to like the public and being in the supermarket. So really that's really what has been driving us and, thinking like okay whatever costs we need to find a solution to this problem right now so when we started we had one fan which could accommodate like 20 orders per day if it was utilized and at that point like oh my god like everything that could have gone wrong had gone wrong like there were (laughs) orders where we like left like one piece of chicken back at the supermarket so we have had to like find a way to get this customer their piece of chicken or somebody ordered like chicken seasoning and we sent them like prawn seasoning so this piece item because again like because of the dedication to the customer service i was like okay i don't care where this customer lives we're going to drive to their house and we're going to give them the right seasoning even if it's the only thing that we give this Mm -hmm. customer back people not being able to come to work so every day it's just been two things it's like problem solving these day-to-day like birthing pains and also thinking about like long term right like it's been two weeks but we're still in the testing stage like Mm -hmm. how do we accommodate like the public demand because right now we can do like 40 orders per day but according to our cap we need to be able to do like 400 orders per day
1: wow so you've already seen such a really positive response from the trial run and so it's are you already like outgrowing what you expected in the two-week period i
0: think the demand has always been higher than what we've been able to produce there were a lot of talks about like how do we how do you um competition there's a lot of other like online groceries, there's a lot of like other delivery services, like how do you feel about that? And my response to that was, I'm so happy there are all these like other grocery services because I don't see them as competition. I see it as like a great benefit to the public that services like these are available. Like my Mm -hmm. mindset right now is how can we do the best job possible to serve as many customers as possible and give them the same like exceptional customer service. So for me, even if the demand exceeds the supply that we can generate, I don't want to accommodate more customers than we can because I don't want anybody having a shit experience. Mm. So some people might say that this is like a profiteering exercise because how like opportunistic of us to open an online grocery at a time of crisis and charging a delivery fee, right? But if that was the case, then we would have said, right, we will send groceries to every corner of this island mm. tomorrow. You know and take people's money even though we're not sure we'd be able to deliver but we have since like limited our slots to prioritize those who are immunocompromised those who are sick elderly pregnant and also our frontliners because there really are people in this day and age that are struggling to have access to groceries like moms who are running out of milk running out of diapers for their children so it kind of has evolved into more than just a business enterprise we really want to operate with like a consideration for the people that we are helping out so every day like when we've as we built our operations team we've had morning briefings and I keep reminding everyone on our team that first like to thank them for like the sacrifices they're making for coming up showing up to work every day because it is like a risk Mm -hmm. to be with the public and like having to commute and it is difficult but that we should always remember that at the end of the day like these groceries go to people's homes it is people that benefit from the services that we have and as they pick as they pack as they take people's orders they need to keep thinking okay like what if this order was coming to my home like what if this order was for my family like how would I want my order to be handled how would I want my food to be handled so that's really the mentality that we've been trying to build I'm gonna cry
1: (laughs) (laughs) so emotional I love that it started from like a business idea seeing good opportunity but now you're taking like this global pandemic the situation and actually not using it as only like a means of profit or like opportunity for yourself but really helping the people too because there's obviously a a lot of demand now Supermarkets, groceries, those are the industries which are taking off in this crisis because it seems like you can't get enough. Even Amazon yeah. has hired over like 100,000 new employees just to meet demand. So I think it's really like outstanding that you are actually doing this for the benefit of the customer. That's a big part of your business. Uh,
2: thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you actually make sure that you guys are um, delivering to high-risk individuals or do you have like a program set in place to kind of identify the people or how are you doing it?
0: That's a great question. We've just really been using Facebook as our main means of communication so we've kind of like Mm -hmm. announced that we're catering these individuals we give them like their own passwords to our website and some people have even like do you want me to take a photo of my belly to prove to you that I'm actually pregnant and in (laughs) fact someone has actually like sent up sent me like a photo of their belly and I was like no 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 like um I'll just take people for it like as much as I'd like everybody to like send their citizens ID or whatever like I feel like at this time you just have to have faith in people that they understand that a lot of people are going through a difficult situation and that yeah. unfortunately some people in vulnerable positions their needs come before others and so far like people have been like very understanding in that like we're sorry like we can't uh, cater you at the moment and we have to prioritize others so we've just taken people's word for it you know what a better place to be honest than the internet right so
2: for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> is it looking for you in terms of moving forward in the next few weeks I understand that you cannot rest on the weekends because this is such a huge responsibility and job to do. I feel like the big uh big change for me, like just
0: to kind of like demonstrate like how um all in like I personally have been is that I don't even like beat my face anymore in the morning. Okay, like I don't forget skincare because you cannot forget skincare. <laughs> but No you always. cannot <laughs> This girl doesn't even have like one clump of mascara on her eyelashes. I was just like whatever like Put on the Lululemons, put on the trainers, like wear your sports bra, because this is war. It's not a fucking fashion show, you know? So (laughs) as much as I have so many nice outfits, I really like to wear out because I have nowhere else to go. Sometimes like maybe I should just like dress up in my house just to feel good about myself. Nah, I mean, (laughs) I don't want to like get off track, but really it's just like, okay, put your hair in a bun, like put your face mask on, just been really like go, 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 really. That's what it has been Mm. for me since this started. I've just been so energized by like the challenge and like the task ahead that I sometimes forget to eat and sometimes forget to sleep, which is so bad. But like, I don't even like feel hungry. Like sometimes I don't even feel tired. And it's not until like my parents actually like call my attention or like somebody else tells me that I need to go to sleep that I realize like, oh my God, like, yeah, I actually need to sleep because it's not even like, I'm working out of like desperation or whatever. It's just that, fuck, I finally found something I really love to do. And I just want to do it. Like, I just want to keep doing it. And I'm so happy to have the chance to like do it every single day. I feel so motivated by the team I have with me. 'Cause to see such a group of people like now even now that the group is so big and everyone working towards the same goal and understanding just the weight of the situation, that's what drives me, that's what keeps me like alert at like seven in the morning. Like I used to think, wow like seven AM is such an early time to start. But actually, I wake up, I've been waking up, like, before my alarm, like, some nights, I just, I just dream about, like, our website, it's so weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's what happens when you're really passionate, and also that's the life of an entrepreneur, yeah. you can't not be all in, it's your whole life at yeah. stake, it's everything. Yeah. So, like, it's amazing I've just... you've been able to find this, like, huge passion and make it a reality so soon as well, at such a young age.
0: Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know, I've just kind of, like, been in a trance, like, I feel like I've been a robot since this started, and I just think... <laughs> like what needs to happen what needs to happen today what needs to happen today
1: lastly what are three characteristics which you feel make a successful entrepreneur
0: i honestly feel very unqualified to answer that question <laughs> Because I wouldn't consider myself a successful entrepreneur quite yet. I'd say, yes, okay, of course, I I guess I now fall into that category of an entrepreneur. Like, it feels very, like, I feel like I have, like, imposter syndrome, like, ever since I started. It's like, okay, wow, like, these people actually, yeah. like, value my opinion and want to listen to what I say. <laughs> I guess I've officially been an entrepreneur for, like, two weeks. Uh, successful, you'll just have to get back to me at, like, <laughs> it's a few years from now like I don't feel like I will ever feel like quote-unquote like successful entrepreneur but so far what has driven me is passion just just the absolute like fire and just like determination just like okay we just have to fucking do it no matter no matter what and one thing that I've learned as well to be like so important that I that I understand now that I used to lack is empathy because I don't know if you could tell from like this interview or like how loud I laugh or whatever but I have a very type A personality I'm sure Bianca knows this because yeah. you've been in uni with me yeah. uh, I could just be like I know like I could be a very like domineering very demanding person and especially in this time I've really learned to hone in on empathy like before you lose your shit maybe try and understand what the other person Mm -hmm. is going through and I've definitely had like everyday experiences that have tapped into that so like oh my god this person is late How dare they be late? And then someone's like, mom, do you know like they live like one and a half hours away? Community is under lockdown and they actually have to like commute like three different ways so they could get to work. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm being a dick. Like I actually need to be like more sympathetic. And it's picking up on things like that and knowing that just a little bit of empathy like goes a long way. You know, it's not really like money that motivates everyone. Having like a joint sense of purpose and knowing that you're supported sometimes goes like a longer way than just throwing money at people. So yeah, passion, empathy. Uh, The third resourcefulness, or like a sense of urgency. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes, as much as you'd like to, like you know, do like a SWOT analysis and like do sauce stack or whatever like business model you want to do, do like a thorough analysis. Sometimes you just need to make like a decision on your toes and Mm -hmm. just like find whatever means necessary to achieve your purpose. If you forget a customer's order, like would you expect the customer to wait another two days for them to get it? No. Like you get in your car and you deliver that you deliver that parcel Mm -hmm. to your customer yourself like things like that but i feel like as i gain more experience in this field i still feel really young some like some days i just feel like i'm out on it (laughs) yeah yeah honestly it's just the thinking that you're not alone like you need to always have like a team behind you and Mm -hmm. there's so many people around you that are eager to help like our customers have been like so sympathetic so understanding like in fact we've actually been asking our customers for advice on how to run our business because who better to tell you how to run your business than the people you're serving every day so we've been asking people for feedback and that's been great so that that's that's what i think
1: I love that answer I think yeah you're on definitely on the right track and I can't wait to see in like a few months and then a few years time what you accomplish by then but yeah thanks thanks. me too I hope I
2: make it in a few months time you're really making a big change as well um, in your community and to the people around you which I feel like you should be so so proud of itself. thanks, so thanks guys
0: I'll, I'll see you on the grab as they say yeah
2: yeah good luck yes, it was so saying. nice to talk to you you yeah. really didn't brighten my whole day
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs>